What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the retro video games podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and joining me today from parts unknown in Rivia is uh, my very special guest, Mr. Fortengard. How's it going, sir? Great. Did you know that Geralt is not actually from Rivia? I did not. This sounds like uh, one of many things you'll be able to shed some light on for me as we proceed into... uh, into uh, uh, this this topic on the Witcher franchise. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Jam could not make it this week. Uh, work and duty calls. And um, it worked out that when Fort and I got to talking about uh, the Witcher, uh, you were like, hey, let's, uh, let's do this. And uh, we could do it live. So we decided to do it live on all games. So um, for a rare treat, we are doing this live. So... And we are live in multiple places. So, yes, thank you for joining me. You're welcome, sir. Yes, and I don't know if you heard the theme music. I, I saw it go through in the stream and in the recording, but it looks like it didn't go through your speakers. <laughs> so. No, I actually totally heard everything. <laughs> I can immediately mute it myself, Noah. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so, um, but I'm yeah. Professional. This week we're going to be talking about uh, the Witcher franchise, and I know some people might not really consider it retro, uh, but I think to a certain extent it's retro enough, and it's definitely worth talking about, Um, particularly because I think it's got one of the more interesting arcs for a franchise. So, so yeah. But uh, real quick, before we get started, I wanted to mention... um, we did, Stephen. He's a new writer in her. Uh, we did get your uh, your email, but it was kind of about uh, horror stuff and whatnot, and uh, it probably was best if Jam was here. To, so we're going to hold your question until next week. I just want to remind people uh, the game club is in two weeks for uh, Eternal Darkness. So if you haven't gotten started on that game, it's going to probably run you about ten to fifteen hours, depending on your your ability to put up with bullshit and your skill. Um, so might be something you want to start thinking about now um, and uh, and getting on if you haven't yet. But I'm working my way through that. Fortingard, if I'm not correct, you've played through that game. Eternal Darkness? Yeah. No, I never owned a GameCube. Oh. Hmm. I do like the Lovecraft stuff. And I... Well, I'm obligated to say that I like the stuff that uh, what's his face made because he follows me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Dennis Dyack. Yes, Mr. Dennis Dyack. The uh, well, luckily he's right, so then the internet doesn't have to be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so if you want to, we're doing that for the game club. That shows in two weeks. Uh, we've got a show in between, and no, I don't know the topic yet. So hey, uh, last but not least. Um, we are on Discord, so if you would like to hear the show, some people are listening to the show live on our Discord chat right now. What up, Funk? 
Um, we will be doing all of our show recordings, I think, from now on through Discord. So you can jump into the Discord uh, and listen to it under the podcast channel. Um, everybody's muted on that other than the broadcasters. So you don't have to worry about speaking or oversetting anything. If you are not part of Discord yet, there is a link in most of our show notes. But also you can just go to discord.gg, like good game, discord.gg forward slash capital V. Then the rest of these letters are lowercase T-Q-Y-F as in Frank, M as in Mary, J. So uh, discord.gg forward slash capital V, lowercase T-Q-Y-F-M-J. And, uh, and then we'll get you in there. Once you identify yourself, uh, I can give you further permissions to put in like links and various other things uh, as, as a member. So anyway, uh, with that in mind, uh, and we are in both chats. I'm trying to do both chats. So, um, <laughs> so, so bear with me on that one, but, uh, but uh, soon we'll be doing good. So uh, anyway, with that in mind, um, Fort, you had been pushing me quite a bit to talk about The Witcher. Uh, was there any particular reason off the top of your head or anything you want to share before we delve into this trio of games? Well, I've read all the books. I've even seen the Polish TV series. I've been a believer in the series, not since the very beginning, but um, I always liked them. I thought they were interesting enough. Was there, like, probably the best example of a book actually making a successful transition to uh, video games in a way that's, like, notable? It's not just, like, Clive Barker, Spooky Dog Parts. <laughs> right. I guess Conan sort of works, but Conan sort of transcended as being pulpy book. Good point. Good um, point. Um, I, I feel that whether <laughs> whether intended or otherwise, um, the uh, the author of the Witcher books, um, which is I hope I do this per- correctly, and you could probably correct me if I don't, but is it Andrzej Sapkowski? No, it's more like Andrzej Sapkowski. Oh, Andrzej Sapkowski. Okay, so it's a little easier. I'm just overselling it. It's like when people try to speak uh, read Spanish words when all they know is English. So. Andrzej Sapkowski. Well, well, Polish is a is a weird language because it's Slavic, but it doesn't use acrylic. So, I got gotcha. you. Um, well, the thing with Andrzej Sapkowski is that, like uh, he um, he's an old man. He is he's in the sixties now, and the thing is like, and this is like, there's gonna be a lot of spoilers just just by the nature of this podcast, so I'm sorry. But the thing about uh, when he wrote the Witcher book, he wrote them as, a, as like, a complete thing. Like, all of the Witcher games exist on a contrivance, because, um, I'm sorry, like, the Witcher books, like, the novels, they end on what... They kind of end like The Sopranos, in that... <laughs> You, you can you can sort of stretch the logic and say like oh, maybe he survived, but but if you're like being real about it, no, no, he probably. Did. And the same thing <laughs> goes for The Witcher because well, at the end of The Witcher, uh, Geralt dies, Yen dies, uh, and then 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 the games happen on the contrivance, which is why Sapkowski uh, himself doesn't really have much interest in playing the game. Like, like, he'll take the money for it. He doesn't hate them or anything, but I can understand how he as a creator 
doesn't really want to play them, not just because he's an old man and video games are not of his era. Yeah, well, and again, he's, I just have noticed he's pretty critical of everything he himself didn't author um, in regards to all of these things. Again, the things he said about the video games aren't too bad. Again, they, they very much, to me, uh, conclude exactly what you just said, which is they're not of his era. But at the same time, he seemed more pissed off that he hadn't been getting any revenue or, or not a significant enough revenue stream as he would have liked because I think they licensed for the full video game as a franchise when they did it as opposed to game by game and he doesn't get royalties based off of the actual sales. But outside of that, I haven't seen him render as much criticism as he did for, say, the movies and TV series from Poland. Uh, those he is particularly not fond of. Um, and I've heard some criticism over the Dark Horse comics, uh, but I can't find any quotes. Like, it's all hearsay. That is one thing I have to kind of criticize about fans of The Witcher. There's a hell of a lot of hearsay and not a whole lot of, I'd say, referential stuff. But that might also have to do with the fact that The Witcher comes out in a time, like especially the video games. It, you know, the first game is what, 2000 and... Let me check, 7? Seven? 7, I think. Yeah, so yeah. The, the first game comes out in a time where print is dead. You know what I mean? Like, books aren't, but, um, but print magazines are dead. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, I'm one of the biggest, you know, pushers of the fact that, you know, a lot of, uh, of media online is kind of bullshit. And so it doesn't really surprise me that much that a lot of this stuff is contrived as opposed to actually cited. And that doesn't stop it from being accurate. You know, it's just that you can't prove it. I guess, but, um, like, I actually talked to this one, like, uh, Polish girl, and I told her, like, yeah, I watched the Witcher TV series, and she's like, oh, uh, I'm very sorry. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Like, for, for something made in Poland in 2002, you could have done worse. Like, yeah, it's not, like, great, but at the same time, like, you haven't really seen, like, great fantasy TV series that aren't like, uh, like like you didn't really see that up until like uh, relatively recently come on say like, it you know you want to say Game of Thrones <laughs> yes, yes I wanted to say Game of Thrones but you know <laughs> sorry I'm just giving you shit because I know you're dancing around it <laughs> Uh, for the record, if you're listening to this in a pre-recorded state, uh, we're talking about this on uh, the week that season seven premiered. And I'm, I, you know, again, I follow Game of Thrones, but I'm not a huge fan. I have not watched it. But man, the internet can't shut up about it today. So, um, you know, that's why I'm. Hey, hey, it's top of mind. Okay, 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 okay. Let me drop a fucking bomb. I think that the Witcher books are better than the Song of Ice and Fire. The Song of Ice and Fire. It ran itself into the ground by the whole, like, oh, my God, major characters die. And you know why? Because you run into a state where most of the people you care about are fucking dead. And it's very difficult to make you care about new guys now. It's a good point. It's a good point. Also, um, George R. Martin is fat as fuck and he drinks butter. Okay, um, you know, uh, Andrew Sapkowski, not uh, the thinnest gentleman either, but I get, I, I get where you're going with this. Um, also, also, also on, um, on, on him like, complaining about not getting enough from you, oh, hey, 
The Witcher games are like the biggest uh, success story in gaming. Plus, the thing is, if these games weren't so successful, I don't think his books would have been translated as well as they were. Well, that's a good point. And actually, if you don't mind, can we take a, a pause real quick? Because I do have kind of the early history, and we get into the books pretty quick. And so I just wanted to kind of tell where this this comes from and how it will relate back to the video games. But just to real quick, if you haven't figured this out yet, Fortengar's made it pretty clear. Uh, Andrew Sapkowski is a, a writer who in the early 80s started writing for, I think, a Polish magazine called Fantasy or something. Fantastica, which I think I can, yeah. you know, figure out where that comes from. <laughs> but, uh, and he started writing, um, you know, uh, short stories, uh, starting with the original one, which is, uh, they, they say it's Widesman or The Witcher in 1986, which tells the story of Geralt of Rivia and this lore behind The Witchers. Um, Vizmin. Pardon? Vizmin, and in Russian they call it Vizmak. Oh, okay. Uh, so Vedsmin and Vedmuk. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he he started later, but he his career started sort of the way a lot of those, like, uh, pulpy, fancy writers like Michael Moorcock started out. But, you know, they started out, like, earlier in, like, the 60s, which is uh, why I think he very much was inspired by it. Because that was, like, like Sapkowski started running around the saw of the uh, Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Where, where it became much more easy to get your hands on, like, uh, VHSs and Western literature and the like. Like, uh, like The Witcher is, in a way, I think it's inspired by the whole, like, uh, Elric of Melonbone thing that Michael Moorcock wrote. Like, there's some parallels, like, with Geralt and... Eh, that's besides the point. But, yeah, he... But the thing is, like... Uh, there was also a pretty big repression for most of the Soviet Union for this type of literature. Like, it was always a push for, like, uh, like we need uh, propaganda. I, I mean, we need Soviet realism. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you laugh, but that's what my family had to live. Like, like uh, I'm not Polish, but we share the commonality of the thumb of the Soviets. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, uh, so I can I I, I I and I get that and um, and you know again I I wasn't around really for much of the books and I just got into them because of course they came bundled the first two books came bundled with the game and I know there's some controversy over whether or not those are even the first two books but um, but basically out comes this 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 book about this guy and he's part of this group of of people who are kind of from a young age they are they are kind of bred for killing monsters basically you know and they um they uh, you know there's they are given special hormones and their reproductive organs are removed so they can't reproduce and um, they are given mutations, which makes them super strong, super fat. You know, they, they're kind of superhero-like. They have cat's eyes. Um, they just have, you know... You, you got it. It's not that they can't have sex. They just are just sterile because they're mutants. Because when you deviate... Oh, did I say they from- can't have sex? I said they, re- they remove their reproductive but, but, organs, which is wrong. Yes, they didn't but, remove their genitalia. Yes, yes, like, they like, just like, sterilize like, them so they can't reproduce. Yeah. Well, actually, the same thing goes for the because they also, their genetics are be fucked. 
Right. So to be clear, they have plenty of sex. Uh, <laughs> uh, in fact, that's kind of one of the defining characteristics of The Witcher that people, especially in America, I don't know how that oh. is for Europe. You could probably speak to it. Uh, tend to cite. It's one of the first things people mention about The Witcher. Actually, 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 like I actually want to go into this one before we even get to the games. Sure. Um, the thing about like The Witcher is like it actually doesn't have that much sex. Like, like it has more. Extra, like a normal fantasy novel, but it's not like it's not like uh, Game of Thrones, where just paragraphs about the midget getting a big hard dick while you look at hookers. And yeah, I, no, I will man. say, yeah, the Game of Thrones makes it seem like everything was an orgy, and perhaps it was, but I just, uh, yeah, and again, I'm not against sex. I, hey, you know what? Sex is cool, whatever. You know, like I, I joke about hentai games, but there's, there's, yeah. It, it seems a little no. egregious in uh, in Game of Thrones. See, the thing about The Witcher, and this is like a mistake they did, especially with the first game. Like, there, the, like the controversy with the first game was the fact that there's you can basically sweep with almost every female NPC, and then you get uh, weirdly pornographic credit cards from it. You and, do, but the you thing do. Is, but the thing is, that's actually not in line with what Geralt is like in the books. No, the thing about Gerald is that he's actually the kind of guy that I find this relatable. <laughs> a lot. Is he's the kind of guy who, who's like gonna get depressed if he can't make any sort of connection. He's like, hey, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> um, like, like, like the thing about Gerald is like he's not like Conan the Barbarian, where he rolls into a town, he like throws down a fucking dragon's head, and he's like, yeah, today I will have. The plastic barmaid, the virginal priest girl, the sexually frustrated Murphy noble woman neglected by her husband, and, oh, what the hell, her daughter, too. <laughs> I love how uh, Conan sounds very different than uh, the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger version. He sounds more of like a <laughs> British aristocrat in your version. <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, bring forth the maiden uh, with a maiden head, please, if you will, in my chambers now. I was trying to do Grimoire Weiss. Yeah, there you go. Very good. Whereas, like, my take on Conan may not have been Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he was always more like, me fuck now, go. You know, maybe a little less, you know, mongoloid, but, you know, still, like, he was definitely uh, just more brutal. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, like I, you know, and this is kind of jumping the gun a little bit, but in The Witcher 3, I am uh, specifically in my playthrough not promiscuous. Uh, I have one one person who I connect with and I commit to that for better or worse. And there are consequences uh, in both directions for that. And that's very reflective on life. I'm not sitting here saying that it's a, you know, a proper representation of what a relationship is like. But at the same time, Geralt is kind of what you make of him in a lot of those games. Although the first game's very gamey and it is kind of considered what I would mildly consider a win state to have sex with every female you meet. And there really isn't too much consequence to doing that. Uh, first of all, I'm Team Trish for life. Are you? We'll have a good conversation because I'm... Uh, oh my God! Why am I blanking on her name? Who's his ancient love? Yennefer. Yeah. I'm Team Yennefer. Well, well, the thing is, like, this is where I conflict with Geralt. Like, I completely understand after reading the book with the whole relationship, and like, I get it. Yeah, that's the canon OTP, whatever. 
But then there comes my whole after roleplay. I'm like, man, this is nice. This is normal. Mm-hmm. I'd rather normal. I'm miserable enough as it is on my own. I don't need this dark-haired herpy who's going to drive me <laughs> up the walls. <laughs> I mean, again, you're not wrong. Uh... Okay, sorry about that. I had uh, something drip on me from my ceiling. Turns out it was just a cup of water that was up on a, a bookshelf, but man, that's jarring. Anyway, uh, after that interruption, yeah, like, I get it. And, and to be fair, um, Triss is a very hard character to not be drawn to, especially in The Witcher 3 when you're kind of forced to make a choice. Eh, I guess you're not forced to, but you it'd be who of you to. Um, she's hard to, you can uh, back to out. ignore. You can back out of out of everything in The Witcher Free, really. That's and true. If you rom- if you try to romance them both, what happens in in like the epilogue? They basically have revenge on you by tying you to a bed and leaving you. Yep, yep. I I, I did hear about that. Uh, uh, one of my favorite. I also heard that. I, I didn't actually see it myself. One of my favorite things to do favorite- was to uh, to go and. Uh, um, um, look up all that stuff once I finished the game. So yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. But uh, but yeah yeah. Um, and again, just so people know, this is kind of what we mean when there, we say there's going to be spoilers. Like we're just going to nonchalantly chat about stuff. Uh, this is not like a game club or even you know kind of like a franchise thing. It's something I kind of want to drift away from on our show, where it, the plot is it, it may be important, but it's not for here. Like, that's not the point of this. Uh, we're really just kind of talking about the world as a grand whole. Um, well, the thing, well, the thing is, I came in here with an agenda. I want, oh, people, okay. to, I, I want people to read the books. And Fair also, I, I really recommend the audiobooks. The audiobooks are some of the best audiobooks I've ever listened to. Like, they're all narrated by this uh, one guy named Peter Kenny, I think. Mm-hmm. And... And he does like every voice, and he is extremely talented. He he does like all the voices, and you're never confused about who's speaking. His Geralt sounds relatively close to what uh, Doug Cook sounds like, except he does it with a Scottish accent. Oh, interesting. Siri is Welsh. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone can see that when you mention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm looking at these Witcher cards, though. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, but yeah, so... Uh, and there, there is, we'll talk about this in a minute, or if you want me to, we can just get to it right now. Um, you know, we are unfortunately not uh, doing any advertising of any kind, but of course, uh, the joke would be that uh, right now is a perfect time for... Uh, I forget what the... What's the damn service where every podcast wants you to join it where you get audiobooks for free? Um, oh, Audible. Audible, yes. We don't have an Audible account, so I guess throw your money to somebody else who deserves it more. Um, but uh, there you go. So uh, go to audible.com forward slash Fortingard. You got to set this one up before the show goes live, man. Uh, but uh, yeah. Um, but the novels are available, a large number of the novels. In fact, this might be all of them, but you tell me, Fort. Uh, the Last Wish, uh, Sword of Destiny, Blood of Elves, Time of Contempt, Baptism of Fire. 
the Tower of Shallows and Lady in the Lady of the Lake are all available uh, in English, and uh, Season of Storms, which is set for next year, is uh, going to be in English as well. Yep, and that's going to be everything. Okay, there's like one more short story collection, but uh, that's sort of trivial. Like it's set between like uh, the Last Wish and uh, Destiny. Yeah, I, I read about that. Yeah. Um, one thing I should point out is uh, The Last Wish kind of has, doesn't it have The Witcher kind of, the, the short story kind of molded as the beginning of it, I believe, in the, in the translated versions. Um, but uh, in addition, if you speak a different language, which you're probably not listening to this if you do, but if you do have a different native tongue, it is available in um, all of the five uh, romance languages of Europe. That's uh, English, Spanish, Italy, or Italian, uh, German, and uh, French. Uh, you've also got various languages, including Chinese, Russian, Dutch, you know, um, lots of different ones, Portuguese, but the, a lot of the big ones are in there. Uh, Japanese seems to be the only outlier that I notice isn't here, and I almost wonder if I only think about that because of video games. Um, but there's a lot of translations. This, this has, this has, the books themselves have reach. Um, so yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, the thing is, like they translated like uh, the first, uh, maybe one or two short story collections around the first game, and then they kind of stopped for a little bit, and then they came back when The Witcher really started getting seen as a as a franchise. Yeah, because like you have to remember, the the first Witcher is a it's a PC game through and through. Yes, very much so. Which we will get like to in a did, minute, but yeah, yeah, it and its like its they, sales they, reflect that. Well, well, the thing is, like, they did consider porting it to the PS3, but uh, no, that game was made to be on a console. Come on, guys. I'm, I'm of a different mind, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But yes, you're right because The Last Wish slash The Witcher short story uh, translated in 2007 and published uh, for the uh, Witcher Enhanced Edition, whereas Sword of Destiny, the the second book. Uh, doesn't hit massive, um, uh, sorry, and Blood of Elves also uh, published in 2008, uh, just after The Witcher 1 uh, for the Enhanced Edition as well. But Sword of Destiny and then all the ones beyond that don't start hitting until about 2013. And I'd say that is concurrent with uh, popularity really raising up with The Witcher 2. The Witcher 2 was kind of a slow burn as well, which we'll get to. Um, but when it hit, it hit hard. And it sold a lot of copies of the uh, the video game and subsequently probably the books uh, when it did hit. Um, but uh, real quick, if you don't mind, I'll, I'm going to talk about a couple other works. And then you tell me what you want to chime in on. But uh, there was a early to mid-90s six comic book deal. To my knowledge, they are directly reflected off of the novels. And to my knowledge, they are only available in Polish. Uh, are you aware of another translation of these? No, it's actually the first time you hear that they even exist. Okay. Yeah, and they, they directly have titles based off of uh, the books, such as The Last Wish and Sword of Destiny and things like that. So um, that leads me to believe that's they're, they're based off of, of that. Um, that's, this is not to be mistaken for the 2015 Dark Horse video game tie-in. So, um, you know, I've not read those, but I know they exist as somebody who 
has been receiving Dark Horse content for a long time. Uh, and then Fortingard already mentioned the Hexer films. Uh, I believe that's how they're pronounced. But uh, the Hexer film in 2001 and then the 13-episode television series released in 2002. Uh, to my knowledge, also only in Poland. I'd be, re- I'd be surprised if there isn't some fan out there who has put some sort of English subtitles to it. But I don't know for sure. Well, I watched it uh, dubbed in Russian. Oh, so but, you watched uh, the 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 Hexa and Hexa, uh, the uh, the Witch and Warlock uh, series, <laughs> apparently. Who the fuck knows, man? Well, you know, I'm I'm using the best source known to man, which is Wikipedia, which sadly is the best source for crossing all of these T's and dotting all of these damn I's. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, uh, yeah, and Hect goes the Hector film? Yes. Uh, the Hector films and the Zabruder films are actually stored in the same spot of the FBI, but... <laughs> really? What angle did he get of this game? But, uh... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but, I, uh... Um, I don't really have that much to say about the other Witcher stuff besides the game, but um, I really like the books. Bukowski got better as he wrote more. Like, the, like the Last Wish is uh, very reminiscent of, like, a whole thing in maybe not the best way. Like, there are times where, where he's a bit of a Mary Sue girl, I mean, not act. Right, <laughs> uh, but but you know, like he gets better as he writes on, and that's great. Um, but that's that's indicative of anything. Like I think that's true of any. Uh, he gets more comfortable with the character, and then he develops it better. It's only bullshit people like uh, Stephanie Seymour that get worse the more they write. Stephanie Seymour, I mean Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> Uh, I don't know who I'm talking about anymore. Stephanie Meyer, what does she write? Does she write those fucking... She's the Twilight Girl, right? Twilight. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yes. Sure, Stephanie Meyer. I, I can't speak to it specifically, though, because I've not read her stuff, but yes. I wonder I've, where I I've got Stephanie Seymour the, from. I don't know. I've I, I only seen the very last um, uh, Twilight book. I You'll laugh. Drunk. Stephanie Seymour was a uh, supermodel when I was a kid. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh well. I mean, I mean, I say stupid things too. I got drunk to see the very final uh, Twilight movie, and I laughed uproariously the whole <laughs> way through. All the twelve-year-old girls hated me, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, oh man. But, so. Uh... Uh, okay, so, so, so then the next step it takes is uh, in 2001, a pen and paper RPG hits. Um, have you ever played the, the, the tabletop RPG? No. Me neither. I don't think I will either. It's not that I'm against it. It's just that uh, I've been trying to play a good game of Vampire the Masquerade for going on two years now, and I just don't think it's in the cards for me. Yeah, um, see, the thing, is, the thing is, like, a lot of the Witcher media prior to the games, like, it was never made for consumption outside of... Poland and maybe other parts of Eastern Europe. So I actually don't think it's really worth talking about that much. 
Yeah, and again, I'm just mentioning it. Uh, so the big thing is the video games then. And, and um, Fort, are you aware that there was a video game in development almost a dec- or over a decade before uh, the one that eventually did come out? The, there, well, no, that they tried. That's not really that much of a surprise. <laughs> but I would be surprised if they actually made it. Yeah, to my knowledge, it didn't get too far. Uh, the Witcher was originally developed in 1996. The developer was Polish, of course. It was Metropolis Software. If you're not familiar with them, they did a they, they're a couple of games. They were all PC games, but it was Gorky 17, which in our neck of the woods was changed to Odium, uh, which was like a mid-90s game. Then there was Archangel in the late 90s, and then in the early 2000s, this is a games for window game called Infernal. Uh, I'm not familiar with any of them, but that studio director was uh, Adrian. Uh, I'm gonna blitz all these ones, but Shemirlars, Shemirlars. Uh, anyway, uh, but he would go on to co-found the dev studio People Can Fly, responsible for Bulletstorm and Gears of War Judgment. I tend to like People Can Fly's style more than I would say the, the gaming masses, but I'm not here to defend them in any way. Um, did you just, did you just like? Didn't they also make fucking uh, Painkiller? Isn't that the one that people actually like? Uh, Painkiller? Yes. I know Painkiller. I know what you're talking about. I'm trying to check who the uh, who the dev was. Oh, no shit. It was People Can Fly. My mistake. Thank you for being on here. You catch you catch mm-hmm. the stuff I miss. So yes. They are all people can fly is also responsible for painkiller, although they're not the only ones, but yes, they are the, uh, they are one of the main studios on there. Um, but, uh, and, and that game, that game franchise still has a pretty healthy home on PC. I know it's made a console move, but I haven't seen many people talk about it, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so before he goes on to make people can fly, uh, yeah, he was responsible for some pretty, uh, I would say, uh, out there, but probably more popular in Europe games um, as this uh, Metropolis Software. And uh, they were basically making a 3D action-adventure RPG that had leveling and morality choices. Seems, you know, right up the alley of The Witcher. Uh, it was eventually canceled. I could not find any reason as to why we could probably speculate and come up with something. But... Uh, uh, is it really worth speculating, though? No, not really. I don't, don't, I don't have the will to do it right now. <laughs> So uh, what you probably are familiar with is in the mid-2000s, a little company called CD Projekt Red, which at the time was mostly known for doing ports. I believe they did uh, several two PC ports of console games, I think. I know they did the Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance ports to PC. Um, But anyway, uh, they picked up the reins and began development by licensing BioWare's Aurora Engine, which is responsible for the Neverwinter Nights series. Uh, the original Aurora Engine did Neverwinter Nights and its expansions. Obsidian did update the Aurora Engine in 2006 for Neverwinter Nights 2. Uh, but CD Projekt Red heavily modified the, the engine as well uh, for a customized experience with The Witcher. Um, some of the big things they did were uh, they removed the tile system from the Aurora Engine imported uh, game worlds they would render outside of the engine directly into the engine for customization. They did custom painting tools, textures, new lighting engine, water effects, skyboxes, dynamic weather, 
Um, they also tweaked and retooled animation, physics, mechanics, combat, and a portal, and added a portal system. So, in short, the Aurora engine that The Witcher uses is a, akin to me to like how the Quake engine is secretly behind all the Call of Duties. Like, regardless of how you feel about those games, uh, it's it's hard to believe that from the first one to the most recent one, they are just modified versions of the Quake engine. Um, but heavily modified to the fact that they are a shadow of their former selves. Um, and we get the game The Witcher released October 26th, 2007 in Europe. North America gets it on the 30th and Australia gets it on November 9th. Um, so do you want me to talk about some of the tweaks done in other regions before we get into the game proper? Or where do you want to go from here? Mm, all of you have more housekeeping regarding the game. Let's go through that. <laughs> Uh, nothing really changed other than a couple of things that I just rolled my eyes at, but I have to talk about. <clears throat> we were talking about fans before. Apparently, outside of Poland, uh, the lines of dialogue were, were changed on a pretty regular scale. And a lot of the people, and, and so in many cases shortened, a lot of people speculated, fans especially, uh, that it was due to bad language. But apparently, uh, Michael Made, uh, Made? Uh, M-A-D-E-J, how do I pronounce that? Mm. Anyway, the uh, the lead designer on The Witcher said that it was actually um, not censorship in any way and, uh, because the, the this uh, CD Projekt Red is known for self-censorship in different regions um, or, or to have done it. Um, he said that's not why they did it. They did it just to uh, speed up the uh, translation process and shortening the lines. A lot of people do point out, though, <clears throat> that oddly enough, a lot of the lines that got the axe were lines that uh, had very crude language. So... Take from it what you will. The other thing is the cards uh, in the U.S. release were um, the conquest cards for having sex with women were heavily modified uh, to kind of cover them up a little bit more and make them look less nasty. Um, the girls are in several stages of undress to complete undress, and they are in poses that kind of reminisce uh, sexual positions, if I were to guess. Um, and then the dryad, who I believe had exposed breasts, had her hair made longer. What? Reminisce at the fucking sexual positions of her fucking girl with his nasty little human cock inside him. <laughs> so yeah, so that was that was uh, originally censored out. I should point out the uh, it's later been put back in um, by uh, Americans. In 2009, a director's cut came out in North America, uh, or it was released also as a free patch that removes those censorship, and we get the same version everybody else has. Uh, it should be noted that uh, the Enhanced Edition came out in 2008, just had a year's worth of bug fixes, some new animations, some in-game content, and, of course, uh, stuff that CD Projekt Red is well-known for, making of documentary art books, soundtrack, strategy guide, and the first two novels, um, as we've talked about. <clears throat> and then, uh, Fort, you were already talking about Rise of the White Wolf, which was the console version uh, being made by widescreen games for the PS3 and the 360 uh, in 2008, but it was basically built from the ground up. And... Of course, this is nothing new. Uh, they didn't hit deadlines. They were falling behind. They weren't good at communication. They were French studio, whereas uh, CD Projekt Red is in Poland. Um, and uh, eventually, um, you know, the, the money was cut from them and ties were severed. So that console version never came out. I don't know for it, though. Like, I really dig Diablo's console port on the PlayStation 1. 
even though some PC gamers think that's sacrilege. And um, Diablo 3, I think, ported very well to consoles. So there's a part of me that says, if done properly, and there's no telling whether widescreen would have or not, I could see them adapting the Aurora engine to consoles pretty easily. Um, but I have no idea. And obviously, they've never released a controller patch. And as somebody who at one point tried to use a controller on the Witcher 1, it's a... It's a dog shit experience. I don't recommend it on anybody. Just sit down at a computer and play it if you if you want to experience this game. <laughs> on the other hand, on the other hand, if you play this game on the PC, like I've recommended this game to people who have one functioning arm. I'm not even kidding. Like there was a guy with a broken arm. He's like, I want to play something, but uh, I'm a bit impaired right now. And I'm so like, yo, try to play The Witcher on a laptop. You can yeah. easily play the game with one hand. And that's yeah. why I kind of didn't want, didn't really want to see the game on that's console. Fair. Because, because the thing is, like, they would have to redesign the combat. Because the combat... I'm sorry, man. No. No, I don't want this on the console. It's already <laughs> boring enough as it is. Well, and so let's talk about oh, that real quick. So the combat is timed button clicks when you mouse over a character. Basically, it's it's a very sneaky way to prevent carpal tunnel while <laughs> still having the same maniacal bullshit you have in all the, the versions of Diablo. That's that, that's fair too. <laughs> I mean, like I said, yeah, it's um, the 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 combat gets um, tedious, is what I would say, um, when it really gets going. But you're right; it does give you a little bit more to. Uh, to kind of pay attention to uh, because you have to click at certain times. There is timing involved in it, although nothing that I would say is too intense. <laughs> uh, we should also point out, this is kind of a top-down isometric. If you've ever played anything in the Aurora engine, I'm looking at Neverwinter Nights, uh, you can figure out what it looks like, but it is a top-down isometric style game, although it does have some pretty advanced graphics. Yeah, although the models don't really hold up anymore. Gerald will get mm, uh, the nasty ass hookers. Um, <laughs> they 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 have many more polygons this time around. I'll give you that. Yeah, even like well, you know, I love Tris, but during that game, oh no. Tris is doing okay. She's very scantily clad. Well, she's not scantily clad, but everybody's like a lot of the women have like open. Open coats. I don't know her. She's she's exposed from from you know middle of the chest all the way down like, to the belly button. Like 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 that's like the, the and I'm not like a, I'm not like a frustrating, but I have to say this: The Witcher one is in particular a game that very much reeks of Edge Lord. Where it's like, yeah, we know how to make people take our RPGs seriously. Look at these tears. Yeah, there and and the marketing reflected that on the release. They had lots of uh, bikini-clad women, and they did flaunt the sex and and whatnot. So um, even if uh, even if the internet's responsible partially for it, um, everybody's just yeah. I don't know. I feel like uh, the sexuality, especially, uh, it, it it seems to get dialed down as each new uh, iteration comes out. But especially in the first one, yeah, there was a, a semblance of. Check out these boobies. They are here, and they're here for you. Um, I think it's also kind of 
reflective in the fact that you, when you have your sexual conquests, you get cards uh, that are still images that at any point in time you can jump into the menus and stare at for extended periods of time. I don't know if that's intentional, but it does kind of reek of it, uh, <laughs> if you want my opinion. See, the thing is, I can, this is what I said before, like, this isn't particularly remissive of Gerald from the book, because this makes it sound like he just, like, stops, and he just furiously masturbates and, and fucks women constantly because his dick is constantly hard. But, but, but no, Gerald is actually like me, where he's like, oh, it's the crying hour again. It's the I crying hour again. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, yes, I, I get what you're saying. And, and it, it's funny because <laughs> it's funny because he gets less serious about his sexcapades as the, uh, the, the, the story goes on. Although I feel like his character gets a little more randy as each one goes on. Like there's those weird, awkward flirtations you can do in The Witcher 3. And uh, even the girls are like, hey, homeboy, like go wash your face. Uh, <laughs> like... Chill out. Well, um, the thing is, like, the thing is, like, uh, well, it's not that he's against a random hookup. He's just like, I this this bitch better be capable of talking afterwards because otherwise, that's <laughs> uh, a waste of time. Like, my my thing is, yeah, he doesn't like kick down a door and goes, "Who's DTF?" You know, like he's not that kind of. Well, at well, least he's, well, he's, he's not that kind of character, definitely in the books, and I feel like he they tone that down on a pretty massive scale as the book as the the games go on. He's not like Conan the Barbarian, where he like drops his sword on the ground and he takes his cock and he's like, "This is almost half as long." <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, um, but uh, but what I, I really dug about this game was and I played this game much later. I played this game uh just before getting um The Witcher uh 2 uh on the 360, believe it or not. I had a laptop, an elite book that I recently gave to my wife um that had a uh some sort of Nvidia graphics card and it was able to run The Witcher enhanced edition at medium settings. And I played through this game uh about an hour at a time on lunch breaks at work, just in case people wonder, I work in an information systems department. There are more women who work there now, but at the time it was just dudes. So if I if, if people walked in and I was uh, and and there was there was some compromising stuff on the screen, uh, no one really batted an eye at it. Although I'll be honest with you, outside of just staring monotonously at the sex cards uh, and the scenes when the dryads just kind of chilling out um, in all her bespeckled green nude glory, um, there's there's not a whole lot of I mean, it's, again, we just told you, it's an isometric game. Like, there are cut scenes that kind of break that mold. But, I don't know. I feel like sex was this weird, kind of, almost out-of-place mini-game in the first game. But, again, like you said, it helped sell it. Yes. Uh, I personally played The Witcher 1 in, like, uh, during, like, the winter of 2012. Um, so, it was also the Enhanced Edition and, you know, like, I, I, I blew through it during winter break because what the fuck else am I going to do? And, you know, like, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than the second one. 
Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but I really didn't dig the second one either. A lot of people spoke really heavily of it, and I feel like it's just one of those games I just didn't get. And I'm actually a little disheartened to find, and again, that's, that's you know, you, your opinion is your opinion. But I, it was unfortunate when you said that uh, for me, because I was like, uh, I, I was hoping you could explain to me, and like, I'm not being an asshole when I say this, but if you can explain to me what the draw of the second one was, because I feel like it missed the mark. Oh. In trying well, no, to do I, what it did, I, I can I can I can explain that when we get to it. Okay, um, I have my opinions on it. Yeah. But the big thing for me was just uh, it was one of the first games where, and it it was less of you know the bullshit that you get in like Telltale games, but it was one of those first games which every answer was kind of impartial. I guess I would say when you had to make choices, decisions on where to go, what to do, what to say. Um, it, it really, it, especially coming off of the cusp of at that same time period, you know, you're starting to dabble with Mass Effect where it's like, you know, what would you like to do? Give them a hug or punch them in the balls. Like it was very obvious what your choices and the consequences of those choices would be in Mass Effect. Whereas these were kind of, they almost seem like benign choices, even though sometimes they had some very heavy consequence. Yeah, uh, also, it has a very interesting subversion of, like, uh, choosing your faction. I, I don't want to tell you about this. That's okay. true. So, so basically what happens in it is uh, there's, like, uh, the Order of the Holy Road or something, which is a holy fire offshoot. They're, mm-hmm. like, this, they're like this order of, like, knights who are, like, who seem, like, superficially benevolent because they're, like... Uh, Killing demons and shit because the witchers are dying out, and but and but the thing is, you obviously see them like, oh, they're they're like they're actually just just a semi-private militia that just wants to take shit over. Like you reasons. do, yeah. Uh, I could make but, a but joke about is, modern religions here, but I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, no, but the but the thing is, the 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 friend you make in there. He is the nicest guy ever. Yes. His name is, his name is like Secret or something, and the, and he is the nicest guy ever. Like he's like he like sees you and he's a view like ah friend, let me help you out. Okay. What, what 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 help do you need, Master Wicca? And then you're and you're just like your jaw is just left hanging. It's like <laughs> this dude is like the nicest guy ever compared to every other fucking asshole in this game. It's true. Uh, but 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 then but then the then the icky part is like, yeah, but these guys are not cool. He's like the one good cop in a corrupt police precinct. Yeah, but I think that works really well when you have to make decisions later on down the line. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm not done because okay, the sorry. other because the other choice is uh, there's like the non-human faction which is run by elves because. The fucking elves always have to be in charge, and <laughs> yeah. uh, and 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 the thing is, like, technically, I see how this is the morally correct stance to take, because you know they're a persecuted class, God the non humans, I mean, and it's not a great time for them. Mm-hmm. But the guy who like runs them is the biggest cunt. <laughs> Yes. Like, fuck this guy. Like, fuck this guy. I think you're supposed to hate him from the moment you meet him. Well, 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 that's, well that's why I say it's a brilliant version. Mm-hmm. Because, because it, 
I, I gotta tell you, it, it really made me think way harder than Paragon Renegade. Oh, yes. There were decisions made in these where, yeah, I really had to sit down for a minute and just be like, <clears throat> what do I want to do here? And it took a while. It took a while for me to uh, come to certain decisions. I actually, in the very end, I decided to go entirely neutral. Mm-hmm. Like there's, like, there's like a, there's like a final point of no return for your choices regarding which faction you want to be friends with. Yes, it's in like, it's in, it's in the the second to last chapter. Yeah, it's like sh- Billy. Is it chapter nine? I'm trying to remember which one. No, no, no. no. Uh, that game it technically has five chapters. Oh no! Yeah, but, you're right. Chapter four. But the app. But the apologue is like is like a chapter in of itself, basically. <laughs> yes. But but basically, but basically, what happens is like uh, there's this village where you basically have to make your final decision. Do you want to help the, the fucking the fucking knife ears? Do you want to help the the fascist knights, or do you want to be a true witcher and tell everyone to go fuck? They call that the neutral path. <laughs> yep. But yes, and then there's the order and the squatel. Sorry, I've been looking this up while you've been talking. I have the fucking squirrels. <laughs> but did did you know that dryads are considered savages even by the standards of not humans? I did not know that. Uh, I wouldn't. I've guessed that. I would have guessed they were more akin to. I don't know. Um, muses, even of like the the the, the wood. No, no. The thing is, uh, well, they don't really go into it in any of the games, but in um, in the books, you actually go to uh, I forgot uh, the which is like uh, this this like place where where the dryads live, and they are actually very very disturbing creatures. <laughs> A lot of kidnapping. Ah, I mean, dryads in various you know forms uh, do various roles. You know, they're not all luxurious, beautiful. You know, forest nymphs as as they are portrayed in many forms of uh, of art, shall I say, more visual art. Um, they can be downright bastards in in in, in various games I've played, uh, is including uh, one of the meanest dungeon masters in uh, Dungeons and Dragons I've ever worked under. Uh, he was the meanest because his shit was pretty rough, and he would make you consistently drink Captain Morgan rum uh, as you played the games with him. So they would progressively get harder uh, the longer the night went um, because your decision making skills were out the window. Man. If, if, if y'all give me free Captain Morgan, I'll play, like, I don't know. Just give it a game. Whatever. But no, but the, the, I'll fly you out way. anyway. <laughs> now, now, the thing is, he can't wear a condom made of tree bark, though. That's true. <laughs> That's this is true. A, this is a very odd episode, I'm sorry. <laughs> Eh, it's The Witcher. It's a little left to center anyway. <clears throat> it's left to center, but the irony of The Witcher is that even though it's a high fantasy thing, it's actually much more relatable than you would expect it to be. Yeah, because the like, characters, like, the, the you said that at the beginning, that you wanted to talk about character development and stuff as we go along, and I think we have, and we can get deeper into it if we need to, but 
Th that's the whole okay. thing is these are people who inhabit a world and they all have relationships in these in these games. So 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 let me tell you about uh, about one of the characters who's like in all of the games. Uh, I want to talk about Dandelion. Ah, okay, Dandelion. So. Okay. The thing about Dandelion is when I just had played the games, I fucking hate this guy. Like, yeah. this fucking, this somehow, this 20th, 21st century hipster <laughs> with his kind of, like, shaggy and renaissance gear. Like, this motherfucker is somehow hanging out with you, like, even though all he ever does is get you in trouble. And mm -hmm. have, like, a poofy response. And you're like, well, and he's like born from money. Like if you've not seen, or if you've not played the games, or don't know him, if you've not played any of these games, yeah, he's born of money. He's he's overly intelligent, but he's a lazy bastard. Like <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's like why the fuck doesn't Gary like just uh, just tie him to like a wagon wheel and roll him down the steep hill, ever to see him again? Yeah, because he's also like a hell of a narcissist on top of everything else. No, but here's the thing about him. Um, Dandelion is the character... Like, he's actually one of my favorite characters in the books. Okay. And the thing is, he completely lost his purpose for the story due to the transition of mediums. Because the thing is, um, Dandelion in the books, he is the character who has the, uh, the best unbiased understanding of who Gerald actually is as a person. So he is often the one who tells Gerald when he's being a bitch. Uh-huh, okay. And, he, and he, he explains to him why is he being a bitch right now. So he's, <laughs> so he's actually uh, a very astute, uh, astute observer of people. Like, because he's a bard, he's traveled around, he's, he's intelligent, he's, seen, he's met and seen a lot of people. But the thing is, like, he loses that purpose in the video game because there's no fucking way to guess what the player is thinking. <laughs> and there's nothing worse than the game talking down to you. Yeah, that's a good point. Although they do some fun stuff with it when you get to his journals and stuff. Like... <laughs> Have you ever watched It's Always City of Philadelphia? <laughs> I'm familiar with the show. I've seen a couple episodes, but I'm not going to catch your reference. But continue. Okay. Uh, for anyone who does, Dennis Reynolds, a sexual life. <laughs> whatever, whatever fucking strike he wrote. Anyway, so so he is a character who very much lost his purpose. Uh, but there's nothing you can really do about that. But the thing is, the Witcher games they actually introduce a lot more characters from the books than they realize. Um, so they actually they generally do a pretty good job of like introducing characters, even if you don't have a prior familiarity of them. Mm -hmm. and, and you often don't even know that they're from the books, but they still function well enough. Well, because, like, Dandelion has a role, um, and a particularly uh, connected one with Vernon Roche in the second game, but I never played through much of that game, so a lot of that's lost on me. Um, but he's definitely present in a large, you know, a decent number of quests in, in the original game. And then, of course, he is a major quest line in, uh, in the third game, even though, you know, you're, you're rarely around him for too long once he finally makes his appearance. 
he also has the most ridiculous appearance in the third one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In the, like, to be, to be fair, he looks like mild nobility in the first game. Um, and then he's actually kind of like ruggedly handsome, like a Robin Hood type in the second game. Um, and then he looks like a complete fucking tosser in the third game. <laughs> see, see, the thing that always bothered me about him is that his voice sounds like the most disinterested fucking monster. <laughs> Like he's like 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 okay. To be fair, like in the games, like okay, Geralt and like most of the sorceresses, yeah, they're they're also like American. Mm-hmm. But but I think they like give it enough to where like you're like ah okay. But fucking Dandelion, it's like, dude, I could do your job better than you. <laughs> well, and like I don't know if you know anything about the the person who voices him but his name's uh, John Schwab and he's kind of a uh, I don't know he's he, he's kind of a uh, that kind of person in real life too to a certain extent uh but uh yeah it's inappropriate cast <laughs> fair enough but yeah uh which one um it's and and the thing is, like, I don't think that game was initially made to have, like, direct sequels. Like, there was I don't, no plan. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't and, even and, think and, and once it, they came back into that enhanced edition, they added a little more content in the middle of that game, but it was never intended to, like... I mean, of course, the popularity, they, they went back to the well pretty quick, but, yeah, I feel like originally when they were developing this, they were like, we don't know where this is going to go. So it actually has, like, their complete, like, story from beginning to end mm-hmm. it's it's and the thing is like it, the problem is i'm kind of drawing on memory from like four or five years ago so i can't actually speak the detail nor did we necessarily intend to speak the detail that's fair it's like but... it's but, you know i i think it's an all right game if you have a broken arm i, I don't think there's any better game to play if you want something that's not just like a match-free puzzle <laughs> question. Are you making fun of my love for Honey Pop? <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not really. Like, you've, you've probably seen how much I play Marvel Puzzle Quest. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, like that game... hours. <laughs> that game, the game definitely has a definitive beginning, middle, and end. Um, and when you wrap it up, yeah, you've chosen one of the three main paths, which kind of make up, to my opinion, the three main endings. Um, I've only done one path, and I, of course, went neutral, because that's the kind of person I am. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, and, and you, uh, I also should point out there were two uh, add-ons, uh, Scars of Betrayal and Outcast which were in development with different studios um, that were canceled at the time. Um, So it seems like at the time that this game came out and then as it progressed into the enhanced edition and eventually the sequel, uh, the CD Projekt Red was kind of at ends as to what they really wanted to do with all this. And I should point out, the first game is published by Atari. It's not self-published by CD Projekt. So... I feel like that may have had something to do with it as well. Like Atari probably couldn't afford to go too many places with it. And uh, I don't think it performed as well as they wanted it to until later. Of course, once CD Projekt Red self-promoted, um, <laughs> they, they reaped the benefits pretty heavily uh, as a result of the sequel. So, 
but uh, anything more you want to say about the first game before we move on? Uh, again, it's it's ultimately just a it's it's a long game. Um, I want to say I clocked. I played the GOG version, so it doesn't have an hour count. But oh man, it must have been sixty hours to beat that game. It's it's a long game. It was actually 40 for me. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm more prone to squirrels. I don't know if you were very completionist about it. Um, but uh, and, and I'm just spitballing. I don't know for sure. Uh, I should probably play through that again on Steam on my, my newer laptop that can run that thing at full spec uh, and see. Uh, I'd have to play it on a laptop or something, though, because when I'm at home, I just don't know if I can muster the patience to play through The Witcher. Um, it's not that it's not a good game. It's just that there's so many games I want to play in my life. And when I'm sitting at home, I just don't have the time. Uh, but if you can get, like Fortingard said, if you can get a good stretch where you've got like a couple weeks and you can just dedicate to it, um, it's it's worth still playing today. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Uh, the thing is, if uh, maybe I could get like a mod for it. Like if I could just avoid having to do that much combat. Like as far as a game where you just look at all the content, it's pretty good. Good. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking, there's a bunch of mods for The Witcher, so I bet there's one that, that tends to tone down on stuff like that. So. It kills. But uh, there's definitely lots mm-hmm. of mods to enhance the sex in the first game, so it's good to see those oh, mods yeah. are looking out. <laughs> so. Um, oh my god. Jesus. Came out of nowhere. Uh. <laughs> My wife just entered the room, and she just showed up in my periphery, and I just shit myself. Um, <laughs> I did eat, so thank you. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, but uh, it's great, too, because I'm looking at the sex mods for The Witcher. So she walks in, and she's like, why is he doing a radio show on Witcher porn? Um, but... Uh, <laughs> but um, I, well, I think he's sort of used to weird shit, though. Yeah, yeah, we have a very open household. Uh, actually, uh, if she walked in on me actually looking at porn, she'd probably be, I wouldn't say disgusted, just a, uh, probably like just just taken aback. She's like, is now the time for that? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, again, I think it holds up today, but you're right. Modding it would probably be beneficial, you know, much like uh, the Final Fantasy VII mod. And I feel that Final Fantasy VII is a lot less playable than The Witcher is today. Um, I'm sorry, Final Fantasy fans, but, um, you know, like the, uh, has easier combat. Well, that's my point. The PS4 and the PS4 version and modded, uh, PS PC version, you can speed up the travel and get rid of, uh, random encounters. And in doing so, uh, it just enhances that game a bit, in my opinion, to get through it. Um, and you're right. The Witcher has more tedious combat, much more tedious combat. In fact, it's kind of the kiss of death to progressing through that game, um, especially when you get into like your boss battles and stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, remember those? <laughs> there, there are some not fun off. moments. Um, save often, friends. <laughs> so darkness imprisoning me. All I see, absolute horror. So, um, anything else you want to say before we move into? Uh, into really. The Witcher 2. Assassin, no, Assassins of Kings. Yeah! Throw the horns. Yep, yep. Burr, 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 burr. So, um, 
The Witcher 2 was announced in uh, 2009. CD Projekt Red went about building its own engine for the sequel, although it does use the Havoc engine for physics. Uh, just for reference, in 2009, everything used the Havoc engine for physics. Uh, the perspective of the you game... Yes, it was. It's uh, If you've ever seen someone ragdolling like batshit, that's thank you, Havoc's engine. Uh, but uh, the perspective of the game switched to a third-person view similar to many action RPGs of the time period and included branching paths dialogue and now 16 different endings. A month after its release in June of 2011 on PC, an Xbox 360 port was announced coming out the following year. Uh, the Witcher 2 released on May 17th, 2011 worldwide, and it did have the Securom DLC or DRM at launch. It did, unlike a lot of Securoms, though, it did allow for infinite installs and five instances of each install running at once. So you could have up to five machines playing it at once. So you and four friends could easily split it if that was your way of going about it. CD Projekt Red was hoping that giving you that freedom would help combat piracy. Uh, it had varying results, in my opinion. Um, it had no censorship worldwide, although that was changed slightly. In Australia, they didn't like a particular side quest where Geralt's reward is simply sex. Um, in Australia, he automatically declines that, and it got patched. Um, so it was somewhat altered, but I wouldn't consider that anything that's a deal-breaker. Um, and at launch, apparently, issues with Securom were abundant and gave way to massive headaches for fans and developers, which is why um, CD Projekt Red pretty much vehemently is against uh, DRM solutions at this point. Um, so... Uh, and then, of course, there was the Enhanced Edition released a year later, and that is the edition that released on 360 as well, uh, very similar to the other one. It was a new version of the Red Engine, the Red Engine 2, which is the one that fronts The Witcher 2, um, and it also uh, contained more content, uh, more changes, lots of bug fixes, and a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, the Witcher 2 cleared 1 million units in its first year, sold 1.7 million before the Enhanced Edition came out. In 2013, it was announced that the two games together had sold a total of 5 million copies. That went to 7 million by 2014. And by the end of 2014, as The Witcher 3 approached release, it hit 8 million for the two games. So, yeah. So, Witcher 2, Assassins of Kings, has a hell of a setup, to be honest. Um, yeah. That's that really cool opening with the dude, like, uh, attacking the dude on the ship with the ice thing, and it was pretty metal. And then you had to play the game. Yeah, I just remember the siege on the king's lands, and you kind of protect the king, um, and you kind of befriend him. Triss is there. She's chilling with you. Um, she's kind of still sexy. Big, big old boobies, uh, just bulging out of her chest. Um, Fun fact. Yeah. Fun fact: Did you know that she was apparently on the cover of Playboy in Poland? Oh yeah, like the the video game rendering of Triss. Yep. Huh. There you go. Um, that but, might be a first. Yeah. Well, no, we we in America we got Blood Rain on Playboy because we're America. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> You're welcome. Um, it's it's just it, it just proves how sex starved America is. We're we're so like uh, you know we're so pro violence but so anti sex uh, that we're we're like Japan. We're just constantly horny. Um, but uh, 
the dark side of consumerism, yes. <laughs> With that being said... Oh, that's not even a joke. Oh, yeah? Sorry? That's not even a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, uh, so the game, like I said, had a really cool opening, and uh, then a... A person who will show up later on in time, I forget what his name is, though he's a fellow witcher, uh, assassinates the king, and you're kind uh, of... Letho of Gullet. Thank who's you. like the coolest motherfucker they made specifically for the games. Yeah, he really like, is, and he comes back in 3, and he's pretty badass there, too. He comes back in 3 if you don't kill him. Oh, I didn't kill him. He was my friend actually- in the game. Nobody kills him. Everyone like like that's like the one thing I like about the story of that game where basically at the end it's like Yeah like him and Gerald just have a talk. And it's like the one it's like the one organic instance in the game where you actually could forgive the the and it's not just like you trying to bank your paragon mother reset point. Yeah, I mean I'll be honest with you, we were never a good terms in uh in three but you know we respected one another um so yeah um, okay okay so so can i go into my thing about which three yes uh wait three or two okay so which are two it's and just just is- i hate to say this although i think it was good setup um we are at about the uh we got 30 minutes left so just to let I you know, know. Yeah, Witcher 2 is the rare instance of a game that is actually worth less than the sum of its parts. <laughs> like, like, like it's, but it's also a necessary game. It's a necessary game for CD Projekt Red. It's, it's like, it's like a puppy with big paws. So grow into it. <laughs> but, Fair like, enough. Like, like, like they, like they try a lot of shit in this game. Like, there's stuff like. Uh, like there's still sequences, there's useless Q- QTE sequences and box battles that have the Resident Evil 4 problem, where where you play the game for so long without them, and then when it happens, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Story, like, the story of Witcher 2 is simultaneously the most fucking convoluted bullshit. Like you need a fucking flowchart. You do, you do. Any time you see people talking about that, there is definitely a flowchart. <laughs> but but but, uh, but at the same time, it is very easily dismissible because if you read the back of like the Witcher Freeze box, where it just says like, "Yeah, so basically, Nilfgaard is like kicking ass, and basically their total dominance is imminent." And you're and the and the front line is now where Geralt is, I guess. Mm-hmm. And 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 and, this, and the whole Nilfgaard thing, it's like it's like the thing that's been set up in the books like way before any of this. Like basically, what happens is Nilfgaard used to be this shitty little like nothing country in the fake Mediterranean, and then suddenly they like. Uh, Emir von Emerus became the king, and he is basically he's fucking Alexander the Great. He's gonna eat your babies. Uh, he's uh, he's he's uh, Peter the Great. He's the motherfucker who basically slaps everything in the order, and then he goes on his fucking amazing Napoleon-style fucking conquest where 
he's kicking ass and everyone else is fucked. And uh, basically what happens is over uh, the books and the games, basically what happens is all the other kingdoms basically fall apart to the end where well, this is more for like the free, but basically, you know, like that's that's the gist of it. Basically, it's all this like the whole Kingslayer thing is just a destabilized situation because the witch Illuminati wanted it for reasons, which is be crazy, yo. <laughs> and then, and then the, and the whole thing, and then that's why I gave this really big much sense. Uh, the other problem with The Witcher 2 is that originally when they released it, it was way too fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Like it, had, it is. Like the it game had, is just staggeringly difficult. Uh, the, I failed the training. Um, yeah. Like, the thing is, like, uh, they give you, like, a super hardcore fucking sword combat system. But the thing is, like, uh, because it's a pretty linear game all in all, it you is. don't really... And, and with the way that the leveling works, you don't really get away. You can't really just, like, cheat the system by somehow just jacking yourself up to where you can just brute force things. No, because you but move, like, HUD to HUD. Like, you're in, like, little, uh, not HUD, hubs. You're, like, hub to hub. And you yeah. can do random side shit in those hubs. But eventually you hit a point of no return and you have to progress the story in order to continue leveling. Yeah, and then the other thing is, like... And if you crank it down to easy, then the fucking combat just devolves into a button masher, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not pretty fun either. Like, the thing is, The Witcher 2 does a lot of impressive shit. It looks fantastic. It looks much better than anything that Bethesda or Bioware put out at the time. Um, like they really they like strive for improvement. Like The Witcher One, you said The Witcher One has physics. But I barely remember anything. Well, I said they like, added a tweaked physics engine. I don't, yeah, I don't recall there being too much it, going it, on there. It, it, whereas in The Witcher 1, Witcher 2, like, one of the first things you can do is you, you just, like, fucking R the dude off of Belm and too much. That's fair. That's like, yeah, that's funny. And, you know, the voice acting improved, the writing sort of improved. Even if the wrong guy got to decide what the plot is going to be, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, there's a lot of cool shit in that game. But at the same time, no, no. But it is a necessarily necessary game because they realize, like, okay, combat needs to be more simple. Uh. Well, and the preps were so brutal. Like, uh, it's fine. I saved often and whatnot, but uh, sometimes you would just prep for, like, different things. And I don't know. The game was kind of dickish for, like, you don't know what you don't know, and they want you to prepare for it. And, like, you could prepare for certain things. It was funny to me how, like, especially in that first area, like, there's this huge water beast you fight and i was so prepared for it it was like nothing but then on the flip side i'd just be waltzing through the woods and find a cave and i would get my ass fucking handed to me because it was so ridiculously difficult and again i was progressing through that game so a lot of people think that i'm just like oh it's too hard oh i can't handle it but it's not that it's just that you're repeating stuff on the regular and you just i don't know you just get out of touch with it and the controls were goofy to me they were j- both on keyboard and mouse, which I'm terrible with, and then on, on controller, which it does natively support. Just everything was goofy to me. It didn't fit. Uh, it didn't click with me. 
Yeah. It's kind of like, like, it's not that you can't do it, but it's like, it, it's way too much work. Like, 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 it's not even that it's like too hard, it's just a tedious game. They even added physics to the fucking dice mini game. They did. So you could so you can actually, you can actually like, like a complete idiot, toss the fucking dice outside of the fucking fucking area and fail your throw. Which is, which is maybe funny the first time. But it's like, which asshole decided this is the mechanic you needed? Right. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be easier if I could just hit a button. You dicks. But but overall, like like it's it's an interesting experiment. If you can get it for cheap, maybe you'll enjoy it more than we did. Yeah, uh, uh, I know. Uh, I wanted him to be on here, but he couldn't because of his schedule. Eli has played all three of these games. Uh, no, sorry, he's played two and three. He doesn't have PCs, so he's only played the console iterations. But he played the 360 version and thoroughly enjoyed it. I did pick up the 360 version. I still have it. And um, the one thing I will give it is it looks impressive for the hardware that has versus trying to get... It basically runs on medium settings uh, of the PC version, and you have to have a much beefier PC to run that than the, the piddly specs of the 360. But it runs oh, it yeah, just like, fine, but it's the same control scheme. It's still goofy. It's, it's just the game ported to, to 360. Well, you know, at the end of the day, I can't hit the game too much because it is a test run, basically, and... I wanted CD Projekt Red to do well. Like, I actually did like both paths. It's not actually not really worth it because they make you repeat a lot of the same quests on both sides. Was mm-hmm. was uh, like there's not actually that much. Like the only thing you really get is you get get to see how uh, the fucking first uh, you know, like how she got the dragon. And it basically adds a little bit of more context to why you should maybe spare the dragon in the end. But other than that, like, no, no. Well, not to put too fine a point on it, but as you are probably aware or could imagine, uh, there are some uh, very nice individuals on YouTube who painstakingly beat through that game and pulled certain things and allow you to basically watch uh, a varying lengths uh, and depth um, versions of that can get you the gist of that game without having to play through it. Yeah, but even then, you don't try to follow the plot. I'll go do this frustrate yourself. <laughs> That's fair, um, but uh, but yeah. So, uh, but again, The Witcher Two. I think it was a like you kind of said. It was a necessary progression. They needed to build their own engine. They needed to make that thing more dynamic than it was in the first game. Uh, for yeah. what it's worth, also, oh yeah. And also, learn things about game design, like UTEs are a mistake. We shouldn't try stealth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were some lessons learned, and you definitely can tell they were heavily learned uh, when you get back over to uh, the third game and see what, what kind of was tweaked and what was kind of left alone. Um, and I think they made a lot of good decisions there. Uh, I also think that, for better or worse, um, the combat is at least more compelling this time around. It just was more, to me, it was also more cumbersome and, 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 and complicated. It was overcomplicated. Um, and that didn't work for me. So, uh, anything yeah. else you want to say about The Witcher 2? There was sex in The Witcher 2. I forget. Uh, the team first all the way. I uh, love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I didn't have any sex in The Witcher 2. Didn't get far enough oh, to, oh, for it to oh, win. Oh, but, I, but the thing is, I think a lot of people just stick with Tris because sort of the way that some people might just play the Mass Effect trilogy and they stick with Callie because she's like the only one who's in like all of them. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, she is if you don't, if you unless you pick Caden instead, which uh, a lot of people didn't. But no, uh, no, no, oh, Tally, no. not Cal. Sorry, Tally. Yes, yes, yes. What the fuck would I want Ashley? If I had the choice, I would kill both Caden and Ashley. Fuck I think we have universally decided that in various conversations I've had with people uh, that they just both need to go. Uh, but but real quick, um, yeah, I, I get Tris, and, and Tris is the love interest in the first game, really, in my opinion, or you can just kind of not care about anybody. Um, well, 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 there's the other one. I forgot her name. They brought her back for uh, one of the DLCs in Witcher Free, but it's not oh. worth the investment. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't played those DLCs yet. I, I need to start Blood and Wine soon. Um, I'm hoping you need, to... no, you need to, you need to start with Heart of Stone. Oh, is Blood and Wine the bigger one? Yeah. Okay. I I just installed the uh, I I did that that one that like upgraded the regular one to the Goaty. Um So uh, it just tells me. That's one thing I do love about The Witcher 3, and this may be our lead into The Witcher 3, but uh, I love that when you hover over a mission in HUD, it goes, oh, this is part of the Heart of, uh, you know, Blood and Wine or Heart of Stone. So you know, oh, okay, if I don't want to delve into this DLC world yet, I shouldn't. And it definitely says stuff like, you know, this is relevant early on. Like, oh, these are, these might be in the opening area, or the, the portal to them might be in the opening area, but these are for level 30s, level 35s. Like, do not. Do not trudge over here. So, um, can, can I can I cut my promo about Witcher Three? As long as you're ready to jump into The Witcher Three, I'm ready. Absolutely yes. Okay. okay. So Witcher Three, for my money, this is genuinely the best AAA game made in this decade. It is the game that actually fulfills the dream. And by way, but what I mean by the dream is. Um, you know how games like, say, say the new Deus Ex, like, uh, you know, Mankind Divided, Human Revolution, like, they're good games, but they don't, you know, the, uh, they had to make sacrifices for the presentation to where they might not have the same openness as the original Deus Ex, which in turn is a game that ran when it was put together with spit and it looked like shit. And the level was turned into ass, but at the same time, it had a level of openness the other ones did not have. True, true, um, true. And, and and you know, and you see these compromises with a lot of games, like like you see open world games with pretty empty worlds, but maybe okay uh, main quests. Yeah, well, you have the Bethesda games where the where the main quest kind of sucked ass. And the game also kind of plays like shit, but it has the level of openness. Mm-hmm. But the, but the thing is, The Witcher Three is is the fulfillment of the dream, and that it is finally a triple A game that feels like uh, you know how say the original Legend of Zelda, and then a link to the past. Like like it's like it's it's a one up it's a generation up it's like mm-hmm. it's like the next it's an the next evolution level. yeah like this yeah. is this is like this is the evolution where they didn't have 
to drop like some some prior functioning organ to make the cut. Like this <laughs> right. is this is this right. is like this is this is everything. The Witcher Free is um, it's not technically perfect, but it's perfect in the sense that it has one of the best, most satisfying uh, main quests I've seen in an RPG for a very long time. It has hours upon hours of side content. It has a fully fleshed out uh, open world. It has it, it looks fantastic. There's actually very little for a game of that size. There's very little awkwardness to it. Like don't get me wrong. There's 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 glitches and shit. But say even like random NPCs are still presentable. Like they don't have the Bethesda <laughs> problem. Um, <laughs> And, 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 you know, like, it, it's a satisfying game that just keeps going and going. I put two fucking 200 hours in my first playing through. It's the only game on PS4 that I have a platinum for. Wow. I platinum, wow. I platinum this fucking shit, bro. Um, I, when I bought it, I bought it with, like, the fucking season pass. Because I, I believe in it that much. It didn't fucking disappoint me. I like the Phantom Pain. The Let's Phantom be, Pain, for instance... To be fair, sorry, um, I I did the same. I bought the uh, season pass right away, and I almost never do that. My burn was from Arkham, but I should have seen that coming. Arkham Knight was the worst uh, season pass I ever bought, which uh, it was my own fault. Oh, man. No, the thing is, like, the Phantom Pain, uh, in comparison, like, like, Phantom Pain, it looks better. It's playtested to a fucking mirror sheen. But at the same time, it doesn't have the same satisfying beginning, middle, and end. The Witcher 3 is the perfect game in this sense. It's, it's a satisfaction the whole way through. I loved it just as much as when I booted it up and by the end. Like, I actually haven't completed Blood Wine because I know I'm going to be sad. See, and I love hearing that, like uh, not specifically from you, but just in general, I, when you hear people who are like, I don't want to beat this game because then it's over, you know, or when people are like, oh, you get the, you know, it's like recently I forgot what game I played and people are like, oh, I played Symphony of the Night for the first time, you know, and on that game club, they were like, you know, I'm super jealous of you because you get to play this game for the first time. Um, You know, uh, there's just something I love to hear about stuff like that with games. So... The the Witcher Free like really uh, who was it in the chat who said like he's not sure if he wants to buy it? Whatever. I believe that was uh, I believe that was Kassen. Let me double check. Yes, it's Kassen. Kassen, Kassen, son, buy that shit. <laughs> Best fucking purchase you'll make in a long time when it comes to video games. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the Witcher Free. I was. Already a true believer uh, when it was announced. Um, I, of course, uh, am someone who knows what happens if you get overhyped and they disappoint you. But this time it just felt right. It just felt right because it was like the perfect story on every level. And they like it's it's the great success where a Polish nobody team somehow upstages fucking everything. Like Todd Howard, Well, yeah, yeah, the kind of shit. But who the fuck else are you gonna buy a game from? These motherfuckers, bitch, suck my dick, midget. Uh, 
Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know. No, I, I get from uh, I get what you're what you're saying. Uh, one thing I definitely wanted to to lean into uh, to just kind of add a little bit of clarity too, because we didn't tell too many people. So if you've never played The Witcher Three you might be a little lost on this is what they basically did was they took the Witcher two and they made the controls a lot more akin. I said to like third party Skyrim or like any action RPG. It's, it's pretty responsive Uh, early on. It was a little sloppy, but they, they tightened it up and it's fine now. Um, but they also, like you said, they took an open world and it's not like with Fallout or, or even Skyrim where it's like, well, you're going to bundled area to bundled area. Like these are set up little tricks in a relatively non-dense open world for you to bump into. Whereas The Witcher, there is something kind of hiding around every corner, you know, and a lot of people who haven't played The Witcher and play Zelda are like taken aback by the fact that Zelda did stuff like that. But it's like, well, but The Witcher does what Zelda's doing outside of a lot of the system stuff. They are dynamic games. They are different games, The Witcher 3 and Breath of the Wild. But with The Witcher 3, what was so intriguing to me was there were four, there were like full-blown storylines to like every nook and cranny you would explore. Like nine times out of ten, there was actually like something to enhance the world around you found everywhere in that game and sometimes it was like you turn a corner and holy shit it's uh it's it's not just a drake it's a family of or a wyvern it's a family of wyverns you know uh you know there's famously that one hunt where you go and you fight the the baby one and then all of a sudden mommy shows up with the other two babies or whatever and it's like holy shit um but other times it's just like somebody who's stepping out on his wife and other times it's you know again there was just so much detail and and enrichment to just the most seemingly insignificant areas of that game sometimes it's not even some sort of fucking monster it's just some old man who's setting shit on fire so people (laughs) stay fuck away from his hut yep that's true that's very true that one was a particularly amusing one but at the same time like it also has like this big fucking juicy like main quest where where we're like you get the whole band together there's fucking Chris there's Yan there's fucking Danny Wyman who cares there's a there's all the dudes from Care Morin you yeah. fucking left of Gullah is in you fight interdimensional death metal space elves and that's exactly uh, what they are. There is no better. There's no better. <laughs> the Wild Hunt is is. That's exactly how I describe them. Uh, <laughs> they're death metal space elves from another dimension. Um, I don't know. I uh, yeah. yeah. There's there's a, there's a theory who is probably the best they ever did with like taking a character from the books and without context, just putting it in. And she just works like as soon as you see her, it's like bam, she's awesome. Series like, great, yeah. Gerald is like her dad basically. Mm-hmm. There's like the immediate connection, like well, let's go, well, let's find her, let's fuck up the the, the weird death metal space elves. <laughs> you, you, travel, you travel around everywhere. You you fuck around cities. You fuck around in the swamp. You go to Skellige, which is basically. Scotland. Uh, Scotland. <laughs> no, it's basically Scandinavia. It's oh, Scandinavia okay. with oh. an archipelago. Okay. See, you okay. know this better because it's in your neck of the woods or because you just know more about geometry or geology. Uh, Ge- <laughs> geography than me. Holy shit, I can speak. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, there there was just every area was just so rich, and you kind of I don't know. I felt like these were areas I was getting to know a more thorough, fleshed out version of things I got hints of in the previous. Uh, uh, and I, it's I probably can't speak too much to it because I say in the previous games, but let's face it, like I didn't really spend too much time in the world of The Witcher Two, so maybe people who did have a different story. No. But in The Witcher One, there these areas are merely touched upon. They're, they're or reference they're not heavy areas you regularly go to yeah uh, they're, and they're just a very satisfying overall quest um, mm-hmm. I, wa- I want to talk about so let me talk about your life let me talk about Yennefer so, so this is the game where you also finally get to see Yennefer very, very early on yes yes Yen no, is I a see. regular part of this of this game and and the thing about her is like, uh, so I need to talk about one of the quests later on. Like, so I want to. And you can. The, uh, the one thing is uh, just giving you. Uh, we've got basically our ten-minute warning, maybe even a little less. But okay, uh, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. But the thing is, like, they actually allow you to answer the one of the big questions regarding your relationship for yourself. Yes. So basically, um, the first. The first story, story collection is called The Last Wish, after the story The Last Wish, which is uh, basically where you understand where their relationship comes from. So basically what happens in The Last Wish is that Yan is trying to uh, take control of a genie, because a genie is like a living sentient mass of uh, magical energy. Like if a, if a wizard gets control of a fucking genie, they can just... It makes, like, really complicated, difficult magic just trivial. Like, you can move mountains, like, mm. But the thing is, genies fucking hate everything. They do. Absolutely hate everything. And in the story of the last one, basically what happens is, uh, Yen goes, basically, berserk on this fucking genie trying to make it submit. He's basically, metaphorically, stomping a stiletto, like, the, like the tip of the, her stiletto heel into... This fucking genie's ethereal balls. He's like, he's like, stop, bitch, I can't. But, but the twist is, Carol is the one who the genie already submitted to. Yes. So, ba- so basically, the, the origin of their relationship comes from the fact that Geralt basically uses the last wish she got from the genie because he used all the other ones by accident to bind Jennifer to him. Because otherwise, as soon as the GD breaks free, he's going to fucking murder this bitch. Uh-huh. You have no idea how far he's going to murder her. <laughs> and and basically, then the big question of their relationship is: Is their relationship natural? Is it is it actually is it actually something that's normal, or is this magical fuckery? Right. Are they in way? love, or is the genie just uh, making them feel like yeah, they are? But, but, because, because the thing is, the thing is, they have a very interesting relationship. That's one way of putting have, it. <laughs> no, I, I have I have a very elegant uh, eloquent description of it. So basically, what happens to them is uh, they they're very much incompatible in the sense that they have a very volatile relationship. Where when they stay together, they slowly become very fucking miserable. Because Yan is a city person. She, she just wants to fucking live a normal, fancy wizard life. Whereas Geralt, he's like, 
No, I don't like cities. There's a dude shitting on the street. God. <laughs> I, I just want to get back to the forest. And they basically get into a fight. They have a big fight. And then they have, and then they like break up for a while. And after a while, they meet up again. And then and so they fuck like rabbits. And they're like, why did we break up in the first place? I don't know. And thus the cycle returns, and and there's the quest, the last quest in The Witcher Free, where basically at the end you get you get to lift the whole genie magic thing, and then you, then there's a question like, do you still want to stay together with her or not? Mm-hmm. And you can progress and, through either side of that, actually. Oh yeah, Team Triss, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up with her. We were true loves, as it turned out. Um, but it's well, 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 okay. So that's the thing. Uh, going by the books, like if I ignore my own personal taste, it's like no, they they shouldn't be together because they basically raised Siri. Yes. And the thing is, they didn't even raise her together technically. Like like there's periods of time where they just ended up raising her at different points in time. Uh, so, no, it's like, no, these two have way too much shared history to not be together. It doesn't really make dramatical sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, um, either way, we're slowly going to have to start wrap up. We have nine minutes, eight minutes, I don't know. So, either way, uh, dear audience who is still listening to this, please, 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 um, get them... Get the audio book. Listen to them. Try to play the first game. Try to play the second game. Really, uh, the, the third game, awesome. Ten out of ten. Game Gear of the decade. Fucking awesome. CD Projekt Red. Polite. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, fucking awesome. Let's go. I'm ready already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. that was uh, that was a slew. <laughs> um. Yeah, the Witcher games are are very uh, inexpensive. The Witcher one you can find always on sales all over the place for like nothing. Um, <clears throat> usually about five bucks. I think it might even be on GOG these days, like standard five bucks. Um, Witcher two is well, kind of is, what? Well, don't like CD Projekt own GOG. They do. They do. That's why I'm saying. Okay, so in, uh, the Witcher Enhanced Edition, which is the only version you can buy these days. Uh, is ten bucks on GOG and Steam. Uh, you got twenty for The Witcher Two uh, Enhanced Edition, and then of course Witcher Three varies between you know twenty five and fifty depending on the time. You know if you wait for a sale, you'll see it go on sale. Uh, and the three sixty version you can pretty much get used usually for fifteen twenty bucks. Um, so they're they're safe bets. Um, and you know you may or may not have been discouraged by Fort and my opinion of Witcher 2. Again, Eli played it and he thoroughly enjoyed it, um, but he's got a penchant for bullshit that, that far surpasses my own. Um, See, for me, there's also the thing is because I play games on a laptop, mm-hmm. I fucking hate the idea of wasted time in a game. <laughs> so, so, well, then so you're going to me, not enjoy the Witcher, too much, <laughs> the Witcher 2 very much. <laughs> No, that's the thing. I'm like, if this fucking game overheats my laptop, no. And it doesn't respect your time too much anyway. But um, but yes, no. so uh, sorry to cut this short, but I think we're going to call it to a close. But um, 
Uh, Fort, uh, thank you very much for, for joining us and definitely uh, for giving me a perspective of these games, uh, especially from the literary perspective um, that I, I never would have had otherwise. And I think that a lot of people in America are not familiar with. Um, so, uh, and it, it is a fantastic series and something rather unique. I don't want to put it too much up on a pedestal because I feel like if you over glorify it, then you're looking for something that may not be there. Um, but especially with the third game, uh, it is incredibly strong and worthwhile to anyone who likes long winded RPGs of this era. A la, of course, the easy one is Skyrim, but everything into and including some of my other favorites like Dragon's Dogma and, uh, and you know, games such as that. Um, I, I think The Witcher uh, outclasses most of them and uh, was an impressive feat. And I can't wait to get back to it, even though I've already put, you know, a, a large number of hours into it, of which I can't tell you because, again, I don't play Steam versions. I play GOG versions. So, um you know, apparently the app was supposed to tell me how long I've played, but it never kept track. It says I've had zero hours, but I somehow have the, the completion. Um, so what, what the hell? I have all the achievements, but like I've never played. Um, but anyway, uh, the games are worthwhile. They're worth checking out. Um, so I recommend that anyone who has the opportunity to go check it out. Uh, again, uh, just reminding people real quick and then for it, I'll let you uh, give your closing. But uh, reminding people... Uh, Eternal Darkness uh, Game Club in two weeks. Jam will be back next week. Uh, send any emails to contact at GamingHistory101.com. You can find us at GamingHistory101. Uh, join the, uh, the, uh, the Discord. Um, and uh, stay tuned for some special announcements uh, in later days. And send in your SNES and, uh, top tens. Hoping to get the most of those because I want to record those in the next week or two. Uh, so please send those in. Some people have. I've gotten yours uh, if you have. Um, but I'm looking to get some more. Uh, I've only gotten like two or three for the SNES, so let's get like six or seven more so that I can do them all at once. Uh, but yeah, uh, Fort, anything you want to add before we call this a, uh, to a close? Dean Chris, yes. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> I don't really have anything now. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, this is kind of a direction I'd like to see us handle more. I really dug it when we did this with you and the Ultima series as well. Uh, is is more like games that we've actually played where we start to look at them from kind of a macro view. Uh, kind of like akin to really old school Retronauts as opposed to the more kind of academic flow uh, turn that we've kind of, uh, that I, I'll say it flat out, that I've kind of taken for the show. So we'll see where that goes. But um, anyway... Uh, all right, well, with that, until next week, this is Fred saying peace out.